unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm fantastic. And for the viewers, the people that watch us on YouTube, you are wearing a new pinky in the brain hat today. Yes, this is my festive holiday season pinky in the brain hat. I love it, man. All right. So let's begin the show. All right. There's one word that keeps popping up this year when I'm talking to copywriters, and that word is compliance. If you don't get the gist of what this means and what to do about it, you can get your ads shut down in a heartbeat. In fact, your whole ad account can be shut down like that on Facebook, on Google. And this happens more often than you think. But if you navigate the compliance maze successfully, you have a real advantage. In some cases, you will be able to sell where your competitors who haven't figured this out yet can't sell. And of course, there's a lot of money to be made when you do paid advertising right. So I wanted to take one show to talk about this. I'm not the world's expert on compliance myself, but... I've helped others make their copy compliant nonetheless, and some of them have made Boku bucks, a lot of money. So we'll talk about that and how you can take steps to avoid problems in this area, which leads me to something particularly relevant for this episode. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So let's start with what I am and what I am not as far as copy compliance goes. First of all, I am not a walking encyclopedia on copy compliance rules and regulations, that might be one reason I suggest everyone with a big promotion get a legal review before they launch. I have a working knowledge of compliance, but the thing is, things change all the time. What I am is pretty good when I'm presented with some copy and a clear reading of the rules as my client understands them at the time I'm good at two things, reworking the copy to give it the maximum shot at success within those rules or finding a workaround that works and will keep them out of trouble. Now, let's talk about compliance big picture. Not We'll we'll get down to more nitty-gritty stuff in a second. Big picture, let's talk about the compliance and reasons for it. Then I'll give you some things you can do, more details to keep from really stepping in it. Why do you want to be compliant? Well, your reason for compliance is probably to stay out of Facebook jail or an official government jail. Believe me, there are all kinds of charges that can be made against someone for false advertising if a prosecutor wants to make them. Doesn't happen a lot, but it happens enough so you need to be aware of it. From the point of view of the people who are asking you to comply, the people seeking your compliance, It used to be back in the day, like before Facebook and before Google started 
taking a lot of ads. It used to be the only compliance you had to worry about was with the feds and the states, you know, the people who run the official government jails. And usually their compliance rules had to do with scamming people, the reasonable person rule. Uh, if something was false that a reasonable person would understand as false, that could be trouble. But that still exists, but these days it's more complicated. Google, look at Google like a newspaper publisher of old. Google makes money primarily by selling ads within an environment of what they call factual credibility. In other words, if you see it on Google, it should be true. Whether you agree that that's how they really work or not, that's usually how they see it. So ads that go against their notion of factual credibility, like they, 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 they are rejected. Let me give you a, a overly simple kind of stupid example. Let's say you say you have the fastest weight loss system in both the known and unknown universes. That would be out of compliance because you can't use a superlative words adjectives that end in EST, fastest, right? Okay, Facebook is kind of like a TV network where they are letting you advertise so long as you can keep the environment, the emotional tone, the entertainment tone consistent with the environment they believe, they believe they are creating and maintaining. So a lot of things direct marketers normally do, like, for example, Dan Kennedy's famous uh, problem, agitate, solve, solution. The problem in the agitate, Facebook doesn't like that a lot. It doesn't fit in with their entertainment environment. So they don't fit. So Facebook won't let you do it. And Facebook might shut down the ad or shut down your account. That's how I see it in terms of themes and intentions. Now, one more probably the most important point of this show, although we're going to have lots of good nitty gritty stuff too. What's the difference between a good hook and a really bad hook? A good hook intrigues the prospect without giving away the whole story. So your prospect has to read more, watch more, listen more to find out. A really bad hook outright deceives the prospect and opens you up to a world of hurt sooner or later. You can almost always find a way to make a good hook look compliant. But a bad hook will rarely be compliant. And even if you can snake your way around it and get away with it, you'll still end up with a lot of unhappy customers who feel ripped off. And that will come back to bite you in the butt. Okay, that's the background. So, Nathan, before I jump into my tips, what do you think? Um. <clears throat> I'm reminded of the old saying, you have freedom of speech until you start to have an impact. <laughs> a lot of times you can get away with, and, and I'm not saying you should, but I am saying I've seen marketers and copywriters and advertisers get away with skirting the compliance rules, get away with uh, some of the you know, tiptoeing into the gray area until they start making a lot of sales. And then once they have an impact, then they start facing larger scrutiny. So my advice is, even if you're getting away with it now, if you hear anything and you're like, oh, maybe we should be, uh, we should change that. Facebook and Google, they're notorious for, as soon as they see that you're making money, they're going to start 
putting you under a microscope. And uh, if if it comes to that and you you've been getting away with it for a while, they will yank your advertising. And uh, now Facebook is doing things where uh, if just one of the people that's on your ad team, so one of the people that has access to your ad manager, even if it's not the main person, if they get caught doing something on one of their other ad accounts, it can also impact your ad account. So I would say if you're, if you're skating the rules, if you're, if you're, dabbling in the in the gray zone i would recommend not doing it even if you're getting away with it right now that's a really good point i I didn't know that about if one of your team members has a note from the principal's office then you could get in trouble too but i now see aaron sorkin was a visionary when he called the movie the social network huh yeah okay so let's jump into these guidelines and and let's let's talk about each one if if you have additional things to say. First one is simply tell the truth. Well, tell the truth. What's the truth? Well, this means find facts. Facts, not opinions, not claims, just facts by themselves that make your offer appealing to your prospect. This works for a few reasons. Um, when you have to defend yourself, truth is the best defense, the old saying goes. Now, I'm sure you can find exceptions to that, but as as a general rule, truth is the best defense. You're, you're, when you're starting with the truth, you're not squirming or bending over backwards to get away with saying something that might get you in trouble if you got caught. And the way to get facts so that you can start with a foundation for your proposition that is truthful is research. Um, we have other, um, podcasts, other shows about research. So I'm not going to go into it here. I'm just going to say, take your time to consider options. Once you've done the research, don't rush through this step. That could probably be the main reason a lot of people, uh, get dinged and, and, you know, banned and shut down in the first place. Keep looking till you find that one true fact or group of facts. That's both appealing that you can base your copy on. And that's true. Nathan, you want to throw anything in there? Just that if you're advertising stuff that's not true, or if you're advertising stuff that uh, could be called into question, a lot of times, especially nowadays with social media and the comment section, if somebody gets your product and they realize, hey, something in the ad wasn't true, the first thing they're going to do is go to the comments they might go to Facebook and complain, but the comment section is where the readers are also going. And if they say, if they, if they see 18 comments in there saying, Hey, the biggest claim in this isn't true. You said this and I got it. And it was actually this, that's going to kill your sales too. So for your own financial interests, it just makes sense to not lie in your copy. That's really good. I never thought about that, but, um, I'm glad you said it because I will think about that from now on uh, when I'm trying to convince a client to stop lying and tell the truth. All right. Number two, back up your claims. Have references, legitimate, reliable ones, facts from official documents, published research findings, statements from recognized, reliable authorities in your field. Sometimes this means actually putting footnotes in your copy, probably not in your 
social media ads, but maybe on a main sales page like the sales letter. A lot of publishers and marketers in finance and health do this and require freelance copywriters to do this. But even if it's not required, and even if you're not in one of those two markets, it's always a good idea to have the info ready, organized, and accessible. I know this is all the non-fun stuff about copywriting, and it's a pain in the ass, especially if research is not your thing and if you haven't done much of it before. But you know what's a bigger pain in the ass? Getting banned from Google or Facebook. And you mentioned on your sales page, a lot of times stuff that isn't necessarily in your ad, but is on the page that the ad leads to can get you banned. So keep that in mind. It's not all about the copy in the ad. The copy on the page that the ad leads to needs to be compliant as well. Yeah, good point. I mean, people don't realize that, but um, Google will check, you know, where the click goes to and what's on that page. Mm-hmm. Um, experienced people know that. Someone who's new to this might be shocked and think, oh, well, I can get away with that on the sales page as long as the ad does. No, probably not. Okay. Here's tip number three. Work harder to make it interesting, all of your copy, but especially the ad you're running, and to create more curiosity. And this comes from a combination of research and creativity. After you have your facts, you try putting them together and put them together in different ways until you find something that scores high on the likelihood that it will reach your target market. A brilliant example of this process and getting a good result is Joe Sugarman's Marketing Mind at Work. We talked about this on the last show. Um, how through really smart, efficient, quick questioning of people who, for whom English was not a first language, Chinese engineers from a Chinese company, um, but he asked enough questions so he came up with a highly successful hook, Pocket CB. Um, and we, we, we go through that in the last show. It's, it's interesting to see if CB radio were as hot today and we didn't already have iPhones and things like that and, and uh, you know, other, other uh, smartphones, Pocket CB would be a very hot hook and it creates a lot of curiosity. And so this is effective in staying within compliance, this whole process, this whole idea of just getting information and then trying different combinations. It's effective in staying within compliance as long as you're not breaking rules or doing anything too creepy. When you do it the right way, you have a much better chance of staying in compliance and getting higher levels of response from your target market. Now, creativity, trying different combinations of things, it works best when you're relaxed and playful. But research seems to work best when you're focused, intentional, clear-headed, and high energy. So the pattern I found that really pays off is work, 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 ouch, play, 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 play. And play can include goofy brainstorming or even just staring out the window because good ideas often come when you least expect them. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, 
From the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. And Nathan, I know you do a lot of creative stuff and you've probably experimented with different techniques and methods. Anything you want to highlight? Well, two things. We've covered this on previous episodes, especially when it comes to uh, creativity and the foundational work that you have to do before you go into creative mode. So I would recommend the listener go back and look for some of the episodes on that. The other thing is a lot of times we think as, as uh, adver- writing ad for, for Google or writing ad for Facebook, writing ads, we think that, oh, we're just trying to sell the click. So it doesn't really have to be that involved, but I've found a, a on my most successful um, PPC campaigns for both, um, I've I found an overwhelming majority of the time it's the long copy. Even even if it's just to sell something like a T-shirt, the long copy on the front end still works really well. And so uh, you might think, well, compliance and and all of this stuff, but I'm just trying to get people to my website. But if you're going to do the work that it takes to get, especially if you've got a, a bit of a higher end offer, you're not going to be just a three sentence piece of copy. It's going to be bigger than that. And then you are going to have to start considering some of these compliance issues. I have heard that among graphic designers, there's an old saying, the name of the game is to fill the frame. I think here we could change a word or two and say with your PPC ads, the name of the game is to set the frame. In other words, you want to set the prospect's frame of mind as much as possible to be favorable towards hearing your offer as you can. And, and that's, I think what you're talking about, what that's what the things that you're talking about, that's what they're doing. What Mm -hmm. I wanted to say. Yeah. So that's a really cool point. Thank you. Uh, number four, provide value, sample a little value and add a little more on the next step. What this means is don't be too stingy about your valuable content because being too stingy can backfire. Don't give away the whole store in your cop either, but be sure to give them a taste and ask them to pay for the whole meal. As long as your topic itself is in compliance and you're not making the kind of claims that ad networks frown upon. Chances are good that this approach will work from a compliance point of view. Your customers will like it because this is a miniature version of try before you buy. 
And the way to do this is to look through your product, especially if it's a how-to info product, and see if you can find little sections or portions that will stand alone and that just scream, value, value, value. So figure out how to include them in your copy at some point early in the funnel. That lets you do something like this. With this product, you'll learn X, Y, and Z, for example, and then you drop in some valuable content. Uh, Nathan, you've, you've talked about this in other contexts. I remember where you said that uh, sometimes you would actually take something out of the product and include it in the sales letter and clients go, what are you doing? And Sam, selling your product, idiot, right? Yeah, and I think the reason why it works so well is it, it helps them convince themselves that your offer is legitimate. Instead of you saying, you're going to learn how to do this. You're going to get this. You're going to get this. Here's five people who all testify that they all got the same thing. It's giving them a little bit to where they're like, oh, I just got this. And now they've convinced themselves. It's not you. It's not the people in your testimonial trying to convince them. They've convinced themselves. And as far as compliance goes, it just makes the, the claims that you're making even more credible. You were talking about earlier the common man principle. Well, if the common man is reading through it and they say, oh, dude, I just had this brilliant aha moment reading this copy. It was exactly what I was looking for. And it makes me believe that the rest of this is exactly what I'm looking for. Uh, it's, really hard to, it's really hard to, I guess, mess up the compliance issues when you, when you take that approach. Yeah, I agree. Because, oh, I, I guess it was Michael Fortin, who was on a couple of shows ago, said that basically Google's goal and your goal is the same in that you both want to give the customer a good, valuable experience. And this is a, a perfect way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And normally I might be a little skeptical of advice, but when it comes from someone like him, not skeptical at all with, with all of the sales he has helped people make and made himself. Okay, number five, reach out. I don't mean in the copy itself. I mean, in your business life, reach out if you can take a course or talk to others who have made it work or join a smart group, whether it's a free group or a paid group. There are plenty of both. Here's why the rules keep changing. And not only that, there's really two sets of rules. There's the official rules the written policies of the admin network, and then there are the actual rules, what they enforce in the real world. The only way you're going to find out about the actual rules is from your own sometimes painful experience and expensive experiences, or by talking to other people who've already experienced them. Now, I know for many of us, copywriting is a very solo profession. This is the point where I bring out the violin. Oh, solo mio. Um, lonely and the copy is up to you, but, and this is important when it comes to what works in compliance, it's very hard to figure everything out yourself. And more than that, it's even harder. You don't want your full-time job to be keeping on top of changes. And unless you're a compliance officer for compliance corporation incorporated. So people discover these things through experience, including their own bad experiences. And You'd rather learn about the hidden rules by talking to someone who's had a bad experience instead of being that person. Get into a community or get into several. I'm in a mastermind where there are a few 
really active experts who have to keep up with this stuff every day, experts in online advertising and compliance. I'm also in an email group of top copywriters. And my clients often bring me the latest rule changes and the problems they cause when we have something to work on in my coaching and mentoring business. So all I have to do is help them figure out how to solve the problems, which I do. So you need to find a strategy to get and stay in the flow of real-world information to be prepared for what's next. I would just second the mastermind idea. In my mastermind, we've got people that are into Facebook ads, and one of them is very, very active, and she's always bringing the uh, newest changes, and the, especially when it comes to Facebook and Instagram ads, the environment, what's acceptable, uh, what's okay and what's not okay changes so frequently that to have a couple of people that maybe something will slip past you, but someone else catches it. And if you've got a group with two or three people in there that are all kind of dealing with the same stuff, they'll catch things that you didn't catch. You'll catch things that they didn't catch and it'll make all of you stronger for it. That's good. I need to ask a slightly personal question. Those people who are experts, do they typically frown a lot? Uh, Katie, I'm going to give her a shout out. Uh, she frowned a little bit last week because with, or the week before last, with everything going on with the elections, Facebook went a little bit overboard on deleting ads accounts. And she, she actually had one of her ad accounts terminated for no reason whatsoever. It was in perfect standing. But uh, with all the, um, you know, Cambridge Analytica and all those worries and concerns that Facebook is dealing with right now, it was kind of to be expected. Mm, okay. So it sounds like she has a pretty good sense of humor or at least pretty optimistic view of the world. She has a very good view of the world. Yeah. All right. Good. So let's recap my suggested five steps. Number one, tell the truth by getting the facts. And this is not like a moral lesson, like a Sunday school or Saturday school or Friday school, depending on which organized religion you might favor. Um, this is about compliance. Tell the truth by getting the facts and starting there. Two, back up your claims. Have ready references on hand if you need them for any reason. Work harder to make it interesting and create more curiosity. Provide value. Sample a little content on each step. And reach out if you can. Take a course or talk to others who've made it work. Or join a mastermind group or another smart group, whether it's free or whether you have to pay for it. Comes back in multiple. I'm going to add one last thing to this. And as a copywriter, it's not always your responsibility. A lot of times with the teams that I come on to, they have somebody else doing the uh, paid ads. I just write the copy and then they manage the backend ad manager. But it's still good to stay up on top of this. Even if it's not directly your responsibility, you mentioned run it past a lawyer. A lot of times I'm running it past their um, ads manager team. Even if it's not directly your responsibility, it'll make your life a lot easier if you at least have a, uh, a toe in the water as to what's going on in the environment out there. Yeah, let me, let me rephrase that in a snappy one-liner. Even if it's not your responsibility, make it your business. There you go. David, this was a fantastic episode. If people want to check out more, 
what's the best place to find more episodes of the of the podcast? Copywriterspodcast.com and um I have you know two left hands, so I I didn't really set up a, a proper channel, but you just Google my name and my name being David Garfinkel and uh, copywriters podcast on YouTube and there's 50 or 60 episodes there. All of them though are in copywriterspodcast.com. All right, man. Until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.